You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Hello and welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Friday, January 21st, 2022. I'm Maggie Lake here with Jared Dillian, editor of the Daily Dirt Nap Newsletter. Hi there, Jared. Great to see you. Hey, great to be back. Thanks so much for for taking the time. Uh, Pretty volatile week, end of week trade uh, with risk assets really taking it on the chin. The Nasdaq um, down over 2%. I mean, it's sort of selling off so quickly. We have to check where it settles, but it looked about 2.5%. Uh, last I checked, well below 1,400. Uh, cryptocurrencies also slammed lower. Bitcoin down 10%, below 40K. Um, Ethereum down 14%. Uh, it's, it's pretty ugly out there. Before we dive in with you, Real Vision co-founder Raul Powell has been watching the market action in the crypto space and sent this update. Let's have a listen. So a little quick update for Real Vision Daily Briefing. Um, obviously, crypto markets are going well today to the downside. I mean, this has been going on for a while. How I try and put this in perspective is that when you're trading a 70 volatility asset class, you're going to see 50% drawdowns yearly, maybe even two times a year. Really, it's been over the last four or five years, it's been every year we see one of these. It feels like that is a now a normal function. And I also notice how little people are freaked out by it, which I think is a really good thing. I think people are starting to understand not using leverage, not having too much size and understanding the long term time horizon. So, you know, we, we are seeing liquidation. And a lot of this is based around the thesis that the Fed are going to tighten and therefore risk assets are going to fall. I went back and tested that hypothesis. And really, when you go back and look at the 2010 period to 2016, the Fed kind of stopped QE, the balance sheet ran off for a bit, then they had to restart QE again because the economy takes a while to get traction. I think that's going to be the case this time around as well. But even when they do hike rates and even when they started tapering, generally what happens is the markets get a little unsettled at first, but then resume back to normal. Because basically, if they're tightening, it means the growth is decent. And so if growth is decent, equities do fine. Um, and so and that's, I think, crypto is getting part of that whole risk cycle. I think we're at the juncture where we're going to start to see economic growth and inflation starting to slow. I think we're at the transition point that that's upsetting markets as well, because they're they're really struggling to try and figure out, okay, what the hell is this all about? What is going on? So my view is that markets continue to be volatile for a bit. There's some more downside to come. If we go back and look at the NASDAQ or Amazon and stuff over that period, we would see these kind of 20% drawdowns, 15% drawdowns, and then the market explodes higher again as you know, the central bank starts realizing they can't raise rates as fast and the market does. And then um, everything stabilizes yet again and things move forward. That's kind of my base hypothesis here. Could we have further downside? Could we be forming a head and shoulders top in the Nasdaq? Could that knock through to Bitcoin? Sure. You know, I've said for a while now, the Bitcoin downside is probably 30,000. I think we're in the kind of buy zone. I'm certainly looking at um, adding ETH myself here um, into this in this um, area between 2800 and 2600. I'm starting to see DMARC weekly counts on um, Bitcoin last week, on Ethereum this week, still missing the, the daily nine counts. So I like to see these, these technical indicators stacking over different time horizons. Um, the daily one would come in maybe on Monday. 
uh, Tuesday, something like that. So I've got my eye really focused on this. Um, it's pretty normal. I think people are, as I said, people are getting used to this. So anyway, good luck. Nothing to freak out about. Um, interest rate rises are almost never negative for the market. What's negative for the market is when the yield curve inverts and we hit recession. That's when markets go down and stay down for an extended period of time. We're nowhere near that yet. The yield curve is, however, starting to flatten every day, which is suggesting that the Fed can't really raise rates, um, certainly maybe not past June. So let's wait and see. The, the rates markets are pricing in something different um, in, let's say, euro dollars, but the yield curve itself is showing something different. Confusing, but important. So keep an eye on all of this. The yield curve, crypto markets, looking for your entry points, where you want to add to those positions. Um, let's have a look at equities, see what happens. If equities start falling further, you know, the Fed put always feels like it's about 15%. Um, so maybe 15 to 20%. Um, that's the downside. So maybe some more pain to come. And then we'll see from there. My view is 2022 is a year of weaker growth, lower inflation, and that tends to be good for risk assets, um, particularly growth stocks. So, you know, I'm even looking at entry points for things like ARC, which are falling every day. Um, and we're now two standard deviations oversold versus the logarithmic trend. So it's getting really interesting to me. But too early to pull many triggers. And I just wanted to give you a quick update. I hope that helps. A whole lot of great stuff to unpack there. I just want to bring everyone up to date um, in case you're listening to this remotely and you haven't, you're not in front of a screen. Uh, just to update sort of where we stand as we close here, um, and then we'll dive in. Uh, crypto, as we mentioned, and Nasdaq suffered some of the worst declines. Nasdaq looks like it's settling around uh, down 2.72%. So a really, really tough, tough ending uh, for the week for Nasdaq. But all the major U.S. equity markets, the indices were down. Interestingly, energies, energy and commodities got pulled down. They had been outperforming. Um, they were kind of pulled lower in this. Uh, U.S. government bonds, one of the few uh, areas to benefit. We saw the yields on the 10-year back down to 1.75%. One last mentioned the VIX, uh, which is sort of known as the fear index, the volatility index. Um, that really flew higher today, up 13%, creeping it, sort of midday was at 25, creeping right up um, to the doorstep of 30. Uh, so, Jared, um, just first of all, you know, tell me what you make of all of this. So what's top of mind as you look at all of the action we've seen? Yeah, so this I, this really feels like 2000 all over again. You know, I you know, I lived through that uh, the tech bubble, you know, the initial dot com bubble. And what's one of the things I notice about declines like this is that, you know, sentiment gets a little bit extreme. People get beer muscles. They say, you know, it's. It's free money. I can short these stocks. You know, they never, they, they always go down and people get limit short at the bottom. I actually did this. This was like in January of 2000. And I, I was, I was a super bear and I shorted like four or five dot com stocks and I picked the stupidest ones I could find. Right. So I shorted them and they never saw an uptick. They went down and I was feeling pretty smart. I don't remember the exact day in January. But it was the day of the first rate cut out of the Fed. And the Dow went from being down 500 on the day to up 500 on the day. It was a 10% swing. Yeah, back and then got, that was a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. And I got squeezed out of all these shorts. So what we're seeing right now is, like, if you look at some technical indicators, like, for example, 
ETF volume is now 40% of stock market volume. And if you look at that over time, this is the highest it's been since March of 2000. So we are, you know, I actually tweeted before we came on the air. I'm like, I don't want to go out long this weekend, but I also don't want to go out short. Like, I mean, you know, we could open up like four or 5% on Monday. Like we're, we're sort of, we're sort of getting to extreme sentiment levels and uh, this is really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've seen some of the, you know, some of the moves uh, in what were, you know, market darlings, right? Like, you know, we saw the Peloton story earlier, Netflix um, was hammered today down 22%. Uh, do you feel like this is just uh, sort of, you know, what's driving it? Is it just that people feel like valuations were extreme? Is it more that they are worried about the sort of macro environment and rising interest rates? Is it a combination? What do you feel is driving this? Well, I think a lot of people frame it as a growth versus value debate. You know, I mean, you saw Kathy Wood say yesterday that value stocks are in a bubble. It's okay. Like value stocks are not in a bubble, but, you know, she thinks that. But, you know, a, a, a lot of this, a lot of the, a lot of people say this is growth versus value, but if you look at the stocks that are really getting hit the worst, they were the pandemic stocks. They were the work from home stocks like Peloton and Zoom and stuff like that. Like those are the stocks that are getting, and they're going to do the round trip. I mean, Peloton already has done the round trip. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's more than just growth versus value. It's more than just the macro stuff. It's th this unwind of the pandemic trade is going to be complete. We are, we are going to complete this unwind of the pandemic trade. Mm. So does that feel, does that make you less nervous um, than some broader, you know, flight from risk, you know, uh, we're gearing up for some major issues with financial markets? I was glad you said, by the way, 2000 and not 2008, <laughs> because, you know, that, that felt a lot different. Both had a lot of pain in them, but one was one seemed so much more systemic. Yeah, I, you know, I just think that I, I do think that this is less about the absolute level of the market and getting back to growth versus value. You know, I think that this is going to unwind over the course of several years. I mean, if you were to just naively buy a, buy a value ETF and short a growth ETF and leave this on for five years, I think you'd be pretty happy with the result. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of this is a function of rising rates. You know, when, when real rates go higher, value stocks tend to do better. You know, so, uh, you know, one of the things I've been doing is sort of digging around in the value indexes and just looking for big, ugly stocks with single digit PEs that pay like 6% dividends mm -hmm. and they're out there. Like there's, there's cheap stocks out there. You know, and the other thing to, the other thing that's interesting about value is that if you open up the value index, which is 250 stocks, there's, there's a lot of stocks in there that are not really value. Like I bet you didn't know that PayPal is a value stock. It yeah. is. It, it's in the value index. And there's, there's a lot of stocks like that in the value index. So, that's why, like, I don't really want to buy like a value ETF. I want to like dig down and find like the really cheap stuff. More individual stocks, individual names. Yeah. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. 
Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N ads.com. You know, Raul said a, a couple of uh, of interesting things there that I think we have to talk about. And um, he brought this up when, when you know, we did uh, the daily briefing. Raul and I did the daily briefing last week. Um, and, and, you know, especially around interest rates in the Fed, he's, he, he's got a very different view. Uh, the market is pricing in some pretty aggressive Fed action. We have a Fed meeting next week. Uh, where do you stand? What is your outlook for, you know, what they can do, what they need to do when it comes to increasing interest rates? So it's a very hard question. Uh, I do disagree with Raul. I think that I think the market is correctly pricing in the rate hikes. I think I think four is probably the right number. I don't think they're going to stop in June. Um, having said that, I mean, if if they cause enough pain and the market goes down 30 percent, they might stop. But the thing that I th the, the fact that is underappreciated is you know, how much political pressure is on the Fed to do something about inflation? Like I've seen several articles about how Democratic lawmakers and congressmen are, have, you know, approached the Fed and say, you guys need to do something about inflation because I'm not going to get reelected because inflation is getting pinned on the Democrats, you know, mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly. And, um, you know, so now it's become a political concern. So I, I you know, I think that I think that that's actually a bigger concern. And also, you know, just to get into the personality dynamics of it, Jay Powell, you know, he just got nominated for a second term. So he's pretty much bulletproof at this point. He can't be fired. And I don't think, you know, he wants to be the Fed chairman where inflation went from 1% to 7% mm -hmm. while he was Fed chair and he didn't do anything about it. So I, I think that he has a personal stake in this. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with the market. I, I agree with the euro dollar curve. I, I think it's I think it's correctly priced. I don't think it's underpriced. I wouldn't I wouldn't place any bets on five or six rate hikes. I think you're I don't think you're getting implied odds for that. Yeah. And, and there was even talk starting to spring up about 50 basis points at the March meeting, which also seemed um, like that would be very aggressive to go from having done nothing for so long to to 50 basis points right out of the gate. Well, Bill Ackman wants them to do that. And my guess he's my guess is he's short term June Euro dollars. So <laughs> he's talking you know, his book. <laughs> so he's talking really loudly. Yeah. Um Raul and Julian discussed the idea of the Fed not only raising rates, but reducing their balance sheet, right? So sort of unwinding those extraordinary measures they took to support the economy. People refer to it as quantitative tightening instead of quantitative easing. And maybe the risks that this sort of big pivot in policy, not only on the rate front, but also on that front, might create. Let, let's have a listen to that clip. And as I said, I'm, I'm sort of playing with this idea that 2022 is the first will become last and the last will become first, right? So stuff that's performed up until now, we are now at an inflection point. The inflection point is the Fed's tightening. What I don't know at this point is how that correction occurs. Is it nice, gradual, as we discussed, US stops performing quite as well, dollar gradually weakens, money gradually leaves the US equity market and goes into other equity markets, right? Or does it ultimately, definitionally have to turn nasty because the US equity market is so 
horribly overvalued and so enormous relative to everything else that it's impossible to get that nice gradual you know i take a dollar out of this of the nasdaq and i put it in euro stocks without tipping the whole baby out you know throwing the baby out with the bath with the bathwater that i am not sure and i'm looking for things as i know you are looking for things but i do think this is a period where when the policy makers and this is what you and i talked about last month mate when the policy makers start to remove the accommodation that things become much more dangerous this is not a time to be running max risk right i, I mean i've got very very little risk i've got hyg short okay they're my guys and i've got tips which is basically kind of a risk off lower inflation trade or higher and higher real yields trade yeah but they're not racy either and i believe at the end of that just uh for those listening um julian was referring to tips which of course treasury inflation protected securities and HYG high yield bond ETF. Um, Jared, you know, to that point, Oliver uh, has a question on the exchange, um, which I think is 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 related. Uh, Jared, do you believe the downside market reaction to the Fed tightening will mirror the same level of craziness we experienced to the upside when money was free and stimulus checks were being sent out during the start of COVID? It seems we live in a world of exaggerated moves curious on your view i think that's the, the question that julian was sort of pondering as well yeah uh you know julian was talking about whether this process would be gradual and i think it is gradual at this point i mean it doesn't feel like it you know nasdaq's down two and a half percent in a day but that's pretty orderly you know mm -hmm. and there hasn't really been a lot of panic selling um it's 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 been pretty orderly i mean if you want to talk about disorderly then look at march of 2020 i mean that was a completely yeah. different story so um like I, I the question is will we ever get to that point um and i think i think that's a function of the fed i think i mean just for just for the sake of example i think if the fed did hike 50 in march then you might see a very severe reaction mm -hmm. i think that's possible um, but if, you know, if we, if we stick to the market priced rate, rate hikes, then I think, I think it's going to be pretty, you know, it's going to be ugly, but it's going to be orderly over time. So, and it's an important distinction to make. Um, and as you say, in terms of orderly, by the way, you know, when we were looking at, and, and several people have been bringing this up today, when you look at, um, the corporate bond market, for example, you're not seeing spreads blow out. You are, you know, you're seeing sort of calm action elsewhere. So yes, if you're in FANG stocks, it's it's felt horrible. But you know, elsewhere there is sort of relative calm. Do you think there's still a Fed put, Jared? We we heard Raul say that he thought maybe 15%, but other people have been saying, listen, you know, with inflation high, the Fed doesn't have the room to have that put anymore. At least if they want to stay, uh, hang on to any sense of legitimacy. Um. The, the Fed is totally trapped because if they do nothing about inflation, they don't have legitimacy. And if they do too much about inflation, then they don't have legitimacy. I mean, if, they, if they, you know, they're, they're totally trapped. If, if we get to a point where the market is down 30% and, you know, my, by the way, my favorite financial newspaper is the USA Today, right? USA Today is the best financial newspaper of all time. If you see headlines in the USA Today about how the stocks are crashing and the Fed should do something about it. That's your buy signal, right? Like, so that's, I mean, we'll get there over time, 
Like we'll get there, but it's, we're just at the beginning of this, you know, we're, we're still in early stages. And and I know you always follow, you know, rightly so sort of, you know, what's happening in the real economy, right? You know, like in people's wallets and, you know, what they're talking about. And before there was a lot made of the wealth effect. You know, when we see those numbers on the nightly news and the, the NASDAQ down, you know, um, and it's very alarmist, people tend to feel that things aren't going well. But but now we've got inflation and, you know, we have the same headlines screaming the other direction. The gas at the you know, price at the pump, food shelves, the grocery bills going up. And w does one outweigh the other when it comes to the U.S.'s uh, ability, the economy's ability to grow and consumers' ability to support that? Well, the wealth effect is is real. I mean, the wealth effect is absolutely real. And you saw it not just in stocks, but also in crypto and it really fueled the purchase of a lot of big ticket items like houses and expensive cars and stuff like that. Um, if you get if you get stocks down another ten percent, you're gonna you're gonna see um, you're you're gonna see activity in some of those big ticket consumer items start to drop off. You know. Um, by the way, when you you know talking about inflation, I I I'm I'm sort of I don't know if it's the minority view, but I do think that inflation is going to moderate this year. Uh, I think. I think that it could go to the six handle, the five handle. Uh, I don't think it's going to get to four or below that, uh, but I think it's going to moderate slightly. And I, I do think that the feds, you know, they, they haven't technically tightened yet at all, but even the jaw boning and how it's affected the shape of the yield curve, I think that is a de facto tightening. So I think that is having an effect on inflation. So I think, you know, over the next couple of months, the CPI, PPI, you, you'll you'll see it come down a little bit, or at least the rate of change will slow down. The rate of change is slowing down. Yeah, it's interesting. We've been we've been hearing that from our guests on Real Vision. I I, I think you're right, though. In the in the broader universe of financial analysts, uh, it's not clear um, whether that's the majority view or not. What about growth? We've also the same people who feel like inflation may be peaking have also been concerned that maybe growth has too. And they're concerned about what the growth rate is going to be. Well, um, you know, a lot of our growth is it has in the past been fueled by debt. And just in the last two years, a lot of our growth has been fueled by transfer payments. You know, I mean, we basically we went three trillion into debt and we handed out the money and everybody spent it. And that caused a great deal of growth. And now so now that process is running in reverse. The child tax credits have gone away. There hasn't been a stimulus check in a long time. Um, so you're you're going to see growth slow. And I'm not predicting a recession, but you are going to see growth slow down significantly. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. We have a question from John on the exchange. Is Jared still happy with his real estate allocation, or is he starting to see downside correlations with other markets? Well, you know, I can say that. Um... You know, I own real estate in South Carolina, and the demographics here are probably the best in the entire country. The Myrtle Beach area is the number one fastest growing metropolitan area in the entire country. And regardless of what happens with the economy, that's going to continue to be true because 
people are leaving the Northeast and California for reasons that have nothing to do with the economy. So it has, it's about taxes and regulation and stuff like that. So I think I think real estate where I live is going to continue to be pretty well supported. Um, so I'm not, you know, I mean, look at me, I'm warm as toast. Like, as, you know, like where <laughs> I live, it's, you know, it's, it's fine. I mean, it, real estate might get affected in other areas. So it's a local, it's a local, you know, a local bet. Yeah. Uh, have you been watching the commodity market? Is that, you know, wh where, where do you fall for, in terms of diversification w right now? Um, if, if we are at risk to see continued selling in equities and, and what's your view on commodities? Is that something you have exposure to? Yeah. I mean, you know, in a high inflation environment, basically what you want to own is commodities and gold and crypto, and you want to be short bonds. And that's worked out okay. Uh, you know, gold gold had a big day on, uh, I guess it was Thursday or Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I actually am, you know, after, after that day where gold rallied about 30 or 40 bucks and then held the gains, and it was off a little bit today, but I'm very bullish on gold going forward in terms of commodities. Um, you know, I've I've owned gold pretty much continuously for the last 16 years. Sometimes I'm excited about it. Sometimes I'm not. Now I happen to be really excited about it. I think it's it's great. And what do you think is going to be the impetus driving that? Because the, the famous thing, everyone, when we when we talk to commodity folks or when we talk to be strategists, they're like, if you know, I keep waiting for gold to rally and then it perennially disappoints. Like, it's just so frustrating. And some of them have completely given up because they're just, you know, tired of it not working out. What's different this time? Well, I don't I don't really I stopped um, analyzing gold in terms of macro factors. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people say, well, rates go down. So gold goes up or, you know, I just, you know, it, it doesn't, it, gold really has a mind of its own. It trades very technically. Uh, I, I can tell you that the price action has changed. You know, one of the, it, one of the things they used to make jokes about on Twitter is, you know, I'd come in in the morning and at 830 in the morning, they'd smash gold like 15 bucks, like every single day. I'm like, why does this not get arbitraged away? Like, why don't people sell before 850 and then buy after 850? But every day you would get this gold smash. Well, now it's that's not happening. It's actually the opposite is happening at 830. So the whole price action has changed. I mean, I'm a, you know, I'm a trader like I, this is what I look at. Yeah. Where do you where where uh, we have a question from Mark on the exchange. Um do you still think hedge funds will add ri to risk trades in January? We're, you know, kind of getting close to the end of the month, but, um, and if crypto continues to go down, which I believe it will, um, do you think there will be a point when some famous holders, including Michael Saylor, I'm saying famous holders, but Michael Saylor will be forced to close their positions? What would be your downside target for Bitcoin? Are you, are you viewing it like that or do you have a different perspective? Well, uh, I don't I don't know Michael Saylor personally seems like a nice guy but he's he's the the biggest most leveraged dumb player in the crypto market. Um and it kind of seems I think his average cost now is about 30 or 31,000 or something like that. Kind of seems like we're going to get we're going to get there. Uh I don't really know what happens if we do, but um you know, he gosh, how much does he own now? Like two and a half billion or something worth of Bitcoin? Like that's that's going to be a big story if that happens. 
Um, but you're but you're you're you have a little a, a position in it, but you have a sort of longer term view on it. Right. This is not. Are you actively trading it or do you just sort of have it as part of part of your portfolio for diversification reasons? No, it's it's about one percent of my portfolio, maybe one and a half. And uh, I it, my timing wasn't very good, but, you know, I have it. And when I put it on, I said I was going to hold it for 10 years. As, as part of what I said earlier, that in an inflationary environment, you want to hold commodities, gold and crypto, and you want to be short bonds. That's the, that's the playbook for this environment. So mm. are there are there areas that you are seeing opportunity? I think the big question everyone's asking today, is it time to get in and buy any of this? You did mention before you're looking at value stocks that have really been neglected with high dividends uh, and low PEs. But is there is there any other part of the market that you're sort of watching amid this volatility that you see opportunity in? Uh, well, I can tell you that um, I, I guess it was about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. Uh, first of all, I've screwed this whole thing up. Like I've totally got it wrong. Like literally I got limit short tech two weeks before the top. I got squeezed out. I got squeezed out literally on the top. And, and so now it's playing out and I'm not involved. But what I did do was I bought uh, some, I think, one or one and a half year S&P puts. I think one year S&P puts. Um, and, uh, and I made that a pre I made that a pretty big position. So, you know, as it, the VIX, you said, was above 25 going to 30, you know, as if if this continues, then those puts are going to explode in value. Mm -hmm. So. You know, at the time in my newsletter, I was I was really pounding the table. I was like, hedge when you can, not when you have to. Yeah. You know, you want to you want to buy these puts when they're 18 ball, not when they're 33 ball. And you know, I think I made the point to my subscribers. Uh, but now, you know, the the horses are out of the barn, and people are trying to hedge belatedly, and it's just a mess. So. Yeah. I mean, there's always a lesson in all of this, right? Um, no one has a crystal ball, so uh, it pays to take out a little insurance, I suppose. Is is there a narrative that you think is uh, underappreciated right now? There just seems to be so little conviction when it comes to growth. I mean, I've heard people saying we're, we're about to have an industrial uh, recession. I mean, the manufacturing data has been very conflicting, right? Empire, terrible from New York, the manufacturing read, uh, Philly, not bad. Home sales were down, but supply short. You know, it, it, you can kind of everyone can find a little something in this economic data. Is there something that you're looking at that you think is underappreciated right now? Well, um, this doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but you know, I've you know I've made a lot of noise in the last few years about uh, you know everybody's complaining about inequality. Well, the best way to fight inequality is to raise rates. You know. Like that's that's an inequality fighting machine. I mean, you're see, you're seeing some of the wealthiest people in the country taking a taking a huge drawdown right now. And on the low end, people who have no exposure to financial assets at all, they're doing just fine. You know, so um, like from a social standpoint, I think I think that's a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, we you know, we don't talk about that aspect at all. We got we've got a few more questions coming in um, and we're, we're almost out of time. I'm going to get to one more from Fernando from the RV site, many investors have taken out loans against their own securities. Uh, could this mentality and loaning against securities trigger another market crisis when massive liquidations occur, occur through margin calls? You know, this was something that I know that 
uh, people were getting concerned about and worried about, you know, earlier this fall um, when they saw some of the big run-ups. What, what is your thought on that? Would we have seen that already if that was going to happen? I mean, in a bear market, there's always margin calls for sure. Like the most leveraged player always gets taken out. Uh, I, I like what Raul said when he was talking about crypto, about how not to trade with leverage. Like you should never trade crypto with leverage. You shouldn't really trade stocks with leverage either. I mean, it's generally a bad idea. Um, you know, it's it's funny because my broker has offered me loans against my portfolio. And, you know, I've considered it um, because I'm building a house. It's, it's, it's a cheap source of financing and it seems pretty low risk, but I'm like, crap. Like, I, I don't think I really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like a bad idea. Yeah. So, um, no, but you will see like th that happens. I, that's not unique to this correction or any bear market. Like you always see margin calls in these sorts of situations. Yeah. I, th I wonder if, if the idea that, um, there may be more retail participation now, um, whether that creates a bigger risk. Well, I have heard that in the meme stocks, especially AMC, uh, I've heard that those people are not doing so good. Yeah. So um, they're they're really hurting. A lot of them were trading options, trading on margin, um, and they're they're going to lose everything. And that'll be a very valuable lesson. It will be, but one that hopefully uh, they can recover from because we certainly have seen that as well. Everyone who's who's traded for a long time, Jared, as you rightly pointed out before, has has made errors and and. Uh, and paid for it, but you do get some valuable, um, valuable lessons uh, from that. Um, Jared, so great to have you on a sort of the end of what has been a really, uh, you know, volatile week. Um, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. We appreciate it. It's always great to yeah, see you. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Great to be and, here. And um, I just want to acknowledge that um, Gary, Bill on the exchange, um, and and some others. We got some pretty specific crypto questions, um, and. You know, as usual, um, the team is going to be all over that on our crypto uh, channel platform, which, as you know, is free. But also Real Vision Pro Crypto is a, now officially live as well. For those who are looking for more in-depth analysis in that space, um, it's the first ever crypto research membership um, that Real Vision is doing in partnership with um, Delphi Digital. The launch offer is, I believe, only available for the next week. So if you want to check it out, go to realvision.com backslash membership backslash pro crypto. Uh, you'll get immediate access to the January chart book, first deep dive report, and an invite to the Discord community. So for those of you, if we didn't get to those questions, you might want to consider that. In the meantime, the conversation continues as always on the exchange. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks, Jared. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.